oh no all right so really i i need some more chocolates before i can do this one i've been so sick i can't tell you how it's been like an entire week of lying in bed hitting like yet another video on amazon prime i love amazon prime so much like you can just keep streaming and streaming and streaming like having bonbons over and over and over again and let's see i i managed to watch i i don't know i lost count it was like movie and movie and movie and it's so great it's so great all you have to do is go in and say Cary grant you get lo all of these different movies to choose from. i only choose the romantic comedies i'm not that interested in the hitchcock because I didn't want to be sad. And then I found, and then I found Doris Day. Doris Day made a lot of movies. I was watching one last night about a a, uh, a a circus and it's got elephant and everything in it. Dog, these are not for you. I could sit there and watch movie after movie after movie after movie. You guys should join us and learn what we learned or I learned or somebody learned in the deep dive into the romantic comedies. Welcome to the Mosaic Arc. You want, an, you, want, you want one of these? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I should need all of them. They're actually like office party gift from my, my husband's work, which is totally, uh, you know, like topical to our, our continuing um, um, rom-com things tonight. You watch any rom-coms? I did. I, I did. I did a little binging. <laughs> I had to I had to follow you into Cary Grant territory for a couple of couple of hours. It could go uh, on forever. How many movies did these people make? <laughs> I have to stop myself, otherwise you just get into a tunnel because you know there are so many of them. <clears throat> well, so uh, I was keeping myself very tightly to Hayes Code territory, right? So it had mm -hmm. to be what nineteen thirty four to nineteen sixty eight, something like that. I'm gonna have another chocolate. You... <laughs> Stop. She's been really sick. This is terrible. So, can you explain what the Hayes Code is for anyone who doesn't know what the Hayes Code is? Are you wanting me to think logic? I, you asking me about chronology <laughs> and history, and you think I looked it up and made notes for today? Yeah, you know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting. I'm thinking. I've 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 tried to discover my inner woman, 
over the last week, right? It's like I, I lie in bed uh-huh. and people bring me medicine and I had to get up and get the chocolates myself because I <laughs> keep stealing them from people. And I, you know, what this is this is this is this what ordinary women feel like all the time that you're not actually worried about? Wait, no, keep. I mean, but you know, isn't it a kind of dream? You don't you don't have to keep to a schedule. You just have a nice man who's working and taking care of you, and he comes yeah. home and he brings you chocolate and. Yeah, you're living the dream. <laughs> she says that she sits on some. It's, I, 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 it, it's been like a dream for days and days and days, and, and nothing but Cary Grant and Doris Day and maybe Rock Hudson. Apparently, Doris Day and Rock Hudson were friends. I looked that up. I can I can do a little gossip mm-hmm. if we go there. You still want me to tell oh, them we, about what the Hayes Code is, don't you? Tell me about what. Well, just to, <laughs> just for context. <laughs> well, context is why 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 would I be looking only for what? Hayes Code? films read my mind (laughs) um well possibly because you're looking at what they managed to slip into movies that are adhering to a censorship code maybe you you clearly have not no that's not at all what i wanted to do i wanted the censorship (laughs) i I was sick. I wanted romance. I wanted pretty dresses. I wanted, you know, it's like the, the, I, I, I don't think I started with Doris Day. I started with a lot of Audrey Hepburn maybe, or, and, mm-hmm. and every single one of them, you know, Hepburn was dressed a lot by Givenchy, right? I wanted women in beautiful clothes mm-hmm. being taken care of by tall, handsome men. Yeah. So I wanted that. I wanted code. I wanted censorship. I thought. I thought I was promised, thanks to the code, that I would be watching nothing but married couples being being you know faithful to each other, happily happily married couples being completely faithful to each other. That's what I wanted. No ten- I, I no wanted. Tension, I wanted no marriage and and fidelity and children, and and the code would promised they- me this. Were they all wonderful trad wives who had no ambition besides the kitchen and babies? I thought that's what I was getting. I mean, I grew up I grew up watching Bewitched. Protect us from 14... I lost you there. Protect us from... Oh. Oh, I said, did the code protect us from 14th Amendment women? <laughs> I mean, 19th. 19th, sorry. <laughs> I thought it would. I really, really thought it would. And I, I'm, 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 I'm weeping into my mat. I'm into my glass now. It didn't. I'm, I, I'm devastated. Mm. The code was more like guidelines. (laughs) (laughs) Pirates strike again. They did. They did. Shall I tell you some of the horrors that I saw? Horrors! Yes. It was horrible. I'm not sure I can do it. Tell me what the Craig Grant one you watched. Oh, so uh, um, Dream Dream Wife. That was the first one that I watched out of your Haze Code. Oh, okay. Selection. So maybe we should get we should sort of set these up, and then tell you tell them about mm. that, right? So I'll 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 so okay. The 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 way I found like. You know the way I found my my movies in Amazon Prime is I figured this was the this is Hollywood of the star system, right? It's Hollywood of you, if you, oh, okay. if you get a, a a Cary Grant movie, it's gonna have Cary Grant in it. 
Okay, that that's a little simple, right? But it's it's going to have typecast characters <laughs> doing their. It, it, what's funny is so one of you know Casey in. in one of our chats today was saying, which is your favorite Cary Grant movie? Like, I have no idea. I only watched the ones that he was all the same in. Right. And, and, and then, you know, if I, if when I ran out of Cary Grant movies that weren't Hitchcock movies, I started watching Doris Day movies and I found there was occasional overlaps. I think I missed the actual Doris Day, Cary Grant overlap. I need to go back and watch that one. But then I found out Doris Day is often in movies with Rock Hudson and there's always jokes in the Rock Hudson movies that he looks like Cary Grant or vice versa. It's like, clearly these people were all interchangeable, sort of. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, and you can just watch over and... Oh, move, so this is but a mere sampling of the 20-odd movies that I managed to find by this this serious scientific method of going by date and, and actor and actress. And, for example, there's one, Rock Hudson and Doris Day, in Pillow Talk, which, you know... So, oh, yes. They're... they're Oh yes, with Tony Randall, I who I thought I mean, he, he always gets to have the the sort of comic character in the. Would you like to guess? Oh wait, you watched that? I didn't like that movie. Why not? It's 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 a romance. No, I did. I don't know. I the a few things about it bothered me. Yeah. How about the fact that that they that 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 well wait hey what bothered it but what bothered you about it. The catfishing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. What's catfishing? <laughs> so, you know, catfishing is when people are on the internet pretending to be someone else. Oh, that's right. To hook someone in. Yes. Yeah. Did they have so, the internet when this, this one like was the made? I thought this was, this was, it's in color. So, you know what? Catfishing, really? This was, yeah, this was Technicolor. So, yeah, it was, it was funny because I was watching this. I thought, oh my God, this is catfishing, <laughs> catfishing before the internet when they only had landline telephones. <laughs> the, um the catfish catfishing you know, the, before the internet okay yeah well the the so the whole idea is that the two main characters are uh, a man and a woman doris day and rock hudson who are sharing this party line which is a telephone connection that they both have to share i mean that that alone was funny to sit there and watch their frustration of having to share a phone line i just it was, it's like looking at a completely different universe isn't mm -hmm. it um and so they're eavesdropping on each other's phone calls and then uh, Rock Hudson devises a scheme for a lot of reasons to try and get this woman under the pretext of pretending to be a completely different person and using a different accent. And so he's catfishing her and it was infuriating as I was watching it. He, he catfishes her um, as a Texan. I, that infuriated me. Hmm. <laughs> his, ah, his, yes. tex, his Texas caricature. His accent. His, oh, <laughs> as well as Hollywood ever does with Texas accents. Yeah, uh -huh. that was hilarious. And, and the thing, the party line, you realize later in the, the way, it, it's not even, they're not even in the same building. It's not like they had an over, I don't even understand the the problem, the tech problem of the party line. But yeah, okay, so mm. she's listening into his calls. He's always picking up women. She gets mad at him. She has this housekeeper who is always drunk. Right, the the number of middle aged, yes. cat, drunken housekeepers I've seen over the last week. <laughs> I here and I thought the Brady Bunch housekeeper, you know, she's typecast. She's just not drunk. <laughs> what was going on in the fifties? All these people with drunken housekeepers. Drunken housekeepers. Oh, and how well? How is it that she needs a housekeeper? Does she have a family? Mm. 
No, Mm-mm. no, she was a single, single professional woman. Single professional. Uh, See, I thought she was go ahead. strong, independent female. Strong, <laughs> independent female who's not going to be taken in except for by the, some guy who's catfishing. Catfishing. Her. <laughs> but do you, so the, the the catfishing is like he's Texan, but is that is that the strength of his catfishing? Is it just that he's Texan? Hmm. Good question. I, I got confused because the there's accent. a there is actually a fishing movie Ugh. that I watched a few weeks ago. I think not in this binge that was about fishing, and now I can't remember. <laughs> I think that was one of the Cary Grant ones. And he's a fisherman who can't fish, right? And and this guy, the Rock Hudson character, is the Texan who's they're all bumbling fools, right? So the professional woman yes. gets catfished by tall, handsome man. We know Rock Hudson. Don't worry about it. That this is on screen character who pretends to be incompetent. Yes. That's yes. Okay, so the, yeah, this is this is what bothers me about it. In order to get her attention, he has to act incompetent. She doesn't she doesn't want him as the playboy character obviously because she's virtu- she's Doris Day. She's virtuous. Right? So she's not she's not going to, mm. you know, be crooned over by he, he's a songwriter, right? He's not going to be crooned over by mm. she's not going to be crooned over him by his his song that he is inspired by every woman that he meets and adds her name in. <laughs> He has, to, he has to be the honest, honest Texan who needs help in the big city, which then gives her strength to, you know, what happened to strong men sweeping women off their feet? It doesn't seem to happen in these Doris Day movies, that's for sure. Well, isn't this shocking? Because I thought that's what was happening in the 1950s. You'd think from the way we we're supposed to have to fight, <laughs> fight the code, fight the Hayes Code time when everybody was, you know, supposedly being forced to be virtuous in the in in the in the entertainment industry, at least on camera. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, he he pretends to be incompetent, and then gets her attention because he's an idiot, and then I fell asleep. I admit it. About 75% through <laughs> that movie. Because <laughs> I was in front of an open fire and, you know, I was too I was too relaxed and comfortable. So I don't know what happens in the end. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. We'll go on to the next <laughs> one. Boy, you've told me. Like, like you could tell they kiss. No, the, the other thing that's interesting about all of these movies end quite abruptly, right? The, the ending comes and bango. Mm. So if, in fact, you fall asleep even minutes before the end. You're not really sure how it ended. There's... There's, okay. there's, there's never any, there's never any big denouement or anything. Okay, so another one I watched. This is then I, then I'm on my Doris Day ones. This one was, uh, the glass bottom boat, and she in her opening scene is in a mermaid outfit and gets snagged by the guy who is fishing. So there's more fishing here, but um, it turns out that he is an astronaut and she actually works at NASA as a tour guide or something and gets tangled up in all of this because he he decides in fact to to try to catch her and finds out all about her and then you know pretends to like things that she does and and so forth and it's it's um it was moderately fun because there's a fair amount of slapstick in it although a little over the top right she's too super clumsy and everything keeps breaking and nasa decides that she's a spy etc mayhem I think I think the guy playing the the astronaut guy is Australian, so that was nice. <laughs> oh. You didn't watch this one. 
No, no, I didn't see okay. that. I saw the trailer. So I think that, I think the, that this... The voice annoyed me, so I didn't watch the film. You know, no, no, okay, so I, <laughs> I told you which ones I'd watched. It, Pillow Talk got you, and you stayed through 75 minutes of it. The Spy Who Came... It's not It's not yep. called The Spy Who Came Out of the Wave. It's The Glass Bottom Boat. It had some pretty cute songs. Okay, and then and then another Doris Day one. Now, this one, this one the Pajama Game, is interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was an interesting one. It's got the raciest little, you know, she's got no pajama bottoms on in the poster. Yeah. Mm. What do, what do you what do you gather from this the a poster which has a woman in no pajamas on if I just tell you that is this movie about? I mean, Pillow Talk was about, you know, his catfishing her and trying to talk her into bed with him. It just seems like a, any way of being able to tell everyone they want to get her pants off without saying it overtly interestingly this one's about a pajama factory (laughs) 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 and and she is she is the um complaint uh representative for the union it's actually a story about the union Uh trying to organize to get seven and a half cents on the for the hour raise and she's the union representative talking about you know strong working mm-hmm. woman and her 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 romantic interest in this one is the management but you know had worked up from the so this is this is actually a labor dispute musical so it's left wing right wing <laughs> <laughs> not even that there's just you know the bad guy you know uh owner of the pajama factory that you know has to you know they have to beat and everything however the funniest thing for me about this there were two things that happened while i was watching it one it's a musical so basically most of it's all singing um and mm-hmm. oddly enough i realized i would heard most of these songs i had no idea this movie existed or the show or anything like that and i'm sitting there going i know all of these songs which I'm not going to sing because of my voice. Like, there's one like incredibly extended sequence where they they have the the um the worker picnic along the river and they're all like polkaing and dancing and it's a beautiful day and you know it's a love song and there's there's all this you know very very beautiful um, balletic le- uh, level dancing, but it's in fact about a union uh, uh, you know pajama factory right. Um, the the one the one I'm really wondering why I know this song because there's there's one about the club Hernandos where they have to go and nobody knows their name. And it's all, it's like a, a, a kind of a Spanish style song. And I knew that song really, really well. I didn't know how I knew it at all. So it somehow seeped into our, our cultural knowledge, but not, mm-hmm. not fully. And the other thing is I was watching all these dances and I thought, gee, you know, and for some reason, just out of the blue popped into my head, Bob Fosse. Now Bob Fosse was famous to me because he choreographed a very racy movie that I saw in 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 college called All That Jazz. Did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. You did? No. You mean sh- it's like Chicago? No, 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 not no. It's called All That Jazz, okay. and the okay, no, I the trope about it is is a guy talking about how he's dying, and so it introduces the Elizabeth Kubler Ross stages of dying bargaining anger bargaining depression denial oh the seven stages of grief yeah it's it's five right anger denial bargaining depression acceptance or something like that and and in the midst of it um they're interspersed this you know attempt to have this show go on this production and they're the dancers rehearsing and stuff like that and that one was all choreographed by bob fossey it's like his his masterpiece level 
And I'm like, why when I'm watching the pajama game and this, this, you know, wholesome, you know, picnic on the, on the water. And I'm suddenly thinking of Bob Fosse and all that jazz. Pajama game was one of the, his, his, was his first movie. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that was his breakup. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> so now we've got, we've got, we've got catfishing, we've got working women, we've got, you know, the, the union labor, union labor. We've got Bob Fosse. I mean, come on. If you've ever seen all that jazz, those that there's one scene where they're doing this, they're all in body leotards and they're all like with, um, blood vessels. Right. It's very heart pumpy kind of, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. It's so, it was so sexy and erotic and in, in the, in the story of the film, so incredibly obscene and scandalous that when they actor the, the dancers perform it for the production people, in the mm -hmm. in the movie the, the afterwards they the the dancers are all just panting because they've been working so hard and the and the and the 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 promoters of the show are going we can't use this <laughs> and yet there it was in the movie right so exactly what has just been happening to us do you think and i i this um, is we've set you up for the movie that you did watch which was the dream wife mm-hmm Fosse jazz hands. That was the fifties. It's in everything. Yeah. <laughs> Silent Draco. What, 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 tell us what happens in the dream wife. Mm, oh, the dream wife. Well, I, I chose, that was my first pick of all of your, uh, your catalog that you've been posting. Cause I like the idea of this Oriental woman that gets thrown over into America. And I thought, oh yeah, this will have some good, uh, this will have some good bits in it. Um, so, Cary Grant is uh, involved in selling hydraulic equipment <laughs> to a Khan of an, <laughs> of some kind of Middle Eastern nation, fictional nation called Bukistan, um, and then ends up propo proposing marriage to the Khan's daughter. So she has to go over to America and go through this very long engagement. She ends up... Uh, more and more exposed to American customs because Cary Grant's first fiance, who he broke up with, is a diplomatic career woman who's taken the the Khan's daughter under her wing, and so she's showing her all of the uh, strong, empowered, liberated females of America, and you know, giving her giving her American freedom, <laughs> yeah. showing her that so she can why, be. Why does the Cary Grant character want to marry her, the 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 daughter? Oh. Because in Pakistan, the the tradition is that the women have been raised from birth to be absolutely subservient and perfectly uh, hospitable to to their men. Mm -hmm. So their entire their entire ambition is to have perfectly happy husbands, and that's the only thing they think about. And everything they're trained to do revolves around pleasing their husband. And, and why so does that, why does he want that instead of the Deborah, the Deborah Kerr character? Oh, we, well, he's he's his first fiance, the diplomat, is busy taking a lot of phone calls throughout <laughs> their day, uh, and very well. She's she's very strong-minded. She she knows what she wants. She 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 tells everybody what she wants and what she doesn't want. She's you know she's commanding, and so he's getting he's getting tired of it because she's not dosing on him and you know, they're not getting quality time together. And he's impressed by the the, the difference between the, the Pakistani princess and the, uh, his American diplomat fiance. 
So he trades in for the Oriental. Uh, and so the whole film is, is a kind of East versus West comedy, but it's a, it's an interesting look at the, uh, the tension that, uh, like we've, well, I've been seeing, uh, in the, the online chat rooms about the behavior of women now and what men have been complaining about, uh, Western women, uh, their loss of, uh, femininity and you know all of these kinds of things so it was interesting to see the same conversation being had in a 1950s black and white mm -hmm. movie i i did have i did have I, I thought i was watching old movies and it felt like i was watching now a lot yeah, yeah. that there was less nakedness yeah thanks code but yeah but <laughs> in, in terms of the problems that the stories were setting up, it was, I mean, the, the one adult, you know, one adulterous relationship after another, or one, uh, mm -hmm. you know, career woman who's being seduced or, you know, not wanting to leave her career or, um, I mean, one, one of the interesting ones is Cary Grant with Betsy Drake and it's every girl should be married. I'm like, that sounds great. Right. And so, but she's, you know, she's a career girl. She's going to set him up so that he gets married. Fun fact Drake did get married to Grant and they were actually married longer than any of his other parents, right? That she was his wife for longer than anybody else. Um, but the, the, even the movies that are apparently about getting married, they all tend to end in marriage or Doris Day gets pregnant or, you know, something like that. But there's, mm -hmm. there's the, the persistent undercurrent mm -hmm. of the reason the people meet is because they're already in a professional situation and it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I've, I've long noticed this about Catherine yeah. Hepburn movies, but um, all of them are like this, right? All of these, I, I could, I did not find, well, actually, no, the only one I found where the woman is like staying at home and, 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 you know, having a, a family allegedly is Cary Grant, Deborah Kerr in another movie where they're running the, the family stately home in England as a business and Robert Mitchum comes in and she has an affair with him, right? There's a duel. It's good. It's no, it's like, but it's, mm -hmm. it was it, it, I, I did not see any, you know, I, I, I couldn't, maybe that's why everybody watches It's a Wonderful Life, because it's the only one. Where are the, where are the wholesome movies? They're not, there weren't that many to choose from, apparently. Well, this wasn't, yeah, like, th this wasn't wholesome. Dream Wife was, uh, it was really creepy. I mean, he dumps his first fiance. She's, she doesn't even look sad about it. Nope. I mean, I don't. Do you, do you notice this? <laughs> they have a they have an argument in front of someone else in the house, and then she walks out, and they've just dumped each other. They're they were supposed to be getting married a week after that date, so they dump each other. The day after, he's already on the phone trying to get this Bukistani princess to marry her instead and right. trade up. No one looks sad, so they're they're just sort of emotionally psychopathic people. Like if you take away the wholesomeness of the aesthetic, <laughs> no one looks upset about anything. He's just decided that he wants a different uh, model of uh, female. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it, it, it really was like, a oh, I'll just get a mentality. So he goes to get the oriental femoid instead of this American <coughs> one. American woman's not even upset. Then they bring they bring the import in. So he's got his mail order book at Stani Bride. <laughs> It comes with a dowry of like all of the goats that her father the goat her. dowry was the good yeah the, yeah the goats and the camels and everything um 
He's not allowed to touch her. That was very good. I thought that was interesting. But what does he does she think that's a no? Remember, this is he thinks it's a great thing that she has been trained her entire life to make her man happy. Okay, but he's not allowed to touch her, and there's a bodyguard guy with him. How does he? How does he consider that? Oh, he hates it. (laughs) (laughs) So he wants the virtue of the Bukistani without the responsibility of keeping her virtuous. In fact, he spends like what a, quite a few days after her arrival trying to get into her apartment <laughs> yeah. he he wants he wants her in fact to be like the western women even as he's saying yes. that he thinks that you know he he wants her better because she's been trained to serve mm-hmm. so it, it's like yeah. the, from the beginning he isn't even interested in the fantasy woman that he thinks he said he was he wants her to be like no. all the western women yes without the arguments right um so she's she's kind of uh she's kind of imported even though she's supposed to be royalty she's imported and then treated more like she's a she's mail order catalog prostitute in many ways it's Mm. it's it's odd um and then because there's a diplomatic problem because she's a princess and he's going to ruin an oil deal there's you know this kind of comedic (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) there's this um comedic chaos around them as the state department is trying to stop him from ruining everything because if he aggravates the princess's father the khan and the deal is going to be off and america won't get this like amazing oil deal and so you see them going through the process of this pre-wedding courtship and interacting with each other but as the princess becomes more and more westernized and americanized uh the ex-fiance diplomat woman starts to dress a little more oriental and begin to behave a little bit more like the eastern woman that just got imported so they do a little bit of a switch um and then the american diplomat learns how to interact with the the bukistani khan the way that a bukistani woman would and uh, so you yeah you you're seeing the the behavior of the two women and basically the whole the whole story is uh relationships as business deals that's what that that's what was so striking to me about the whole thing it wasn't actually romance the way they treated the entire thing was basically business Mm -hmm. because he wasn't happy with the uh terms and conditions that he was getting with the uh with the diplomat american woman so he traded in traded her in for the oriental which was still a business deal because the whole relationship factored on this oil trade you know, uh, so what would appear to be a romance film isn't very romantic at all. There was no romance, no chivalry. Well, it's it, nothing. It, it, it was business. It was ironic to me because I'm thinking I, I now I did want to look at dates and I couldn't because I'm not going to because we're in we're in chocolate land right now. <laughs> um, this is around the time that the United States is 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 creating modern Iran in its you know Shah mm-hmm. version, I think, right? So there is some layer of here's the U.S. State Department. I mean, it's it's interesting how overt a lot of this stuff is, like the 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 labor dispute one or the NASA one with the mermaid and the spying or you know the 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 pill. All of these that. It was it was an interesting sort of deep dive, which I obviously I enjoyed into the the hist- history, and they are 
interestingly blunt about a lot of things. For example, here, the United States is trying to pressure the Bukistanis into this this deal. They can do it by way of, you know, various kinds of diplomacy and this guy gets caught up in it. So it's it's like true to the mm-hmm. moment and 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 honest in in the sort of in retrospect you can say, man, they were really doing all of this, weren't they? <laughs> um she ends up being westernized like I believe the Iranians are in yes. the in in the fifties and and sixties, so that you know you can see that the idea and the ideal of yes, these women should be westernized. That the whole thing. It's like all of these movies are all about women's yes. women's suffrage. I mean, it's like it's post nineteen nineteen, but yes, nineteen twenty. But it's it's they're all professional women. It's all you know renegotiating marriage on the women's terms. So I'm not sure what anybody was complaining about before the co- during the code because none of it is at all um, traditional. No, none of it. No, there was nothing traditional about uh, what I saw uh, in those in those two code two code films. Um, the women are on unsupervised. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm thinking again about Pillow Talk. You know, there's a scene in it where Doris Day is being. Uh, harassed by this little blonde Harvard boy who's um, trying to get her clothes off in the car and then uh, insists she goes to a nightclub with him so he can get really drunk and he ends up passing out. Right. right? So she's kind of getting me tooed in the car. <laughs> so they're, they're depicting, they're depicting men as um unchivalrous and uh exploitative even in that context right you know there there's doris day doesn't have a single man in that uh movie that she's in that is just there for the benefit of being a respectable gentleman they all want something from her so the 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 message of that film is essentially men are all out to get something from you there is no one who is telling the truth and who is honest and who is going to treat you well. Right. You know, even the, 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 the star of the film, Rock Hudson is catfishing her. So even though, you know, like the only, the only genuine looking man in the entire movie is actually, uh, completely fictional. It's, it's fascinating that uh, anybody would say that that was a virtuous plot line. So she's completely isolated, surrounded by horrible men. <laughs> and it's, it's like, um, no, no traditional concept of chaperoning or having, uh, ha- having her treated like, uh, a, a potential mother, you know, the way that they speak to her is, uh, like a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's interesting. It was like watching something contemporary. Well, and the thing, reason I was choosing Doris Day movies is because she was a, allegedly famous for always doing virtuous characters, right? I mean, she's mm-hmm. trying to make the men virtuous. And I, I I was reading about her. She did turn down the role in The Graduate um, because she she said it was mm-hmm. like naughty or smutty or whatever. She, it's like, so, you know, and she stopped acting pretty much after the code went away. So we don't have any, you know, Doris Day with her clothes off movies like what Julie Andrews right after mm-hmm. the sound of music or something. We don't have Doris Day in the yeah. in the 70s destroyed in her in her image. But on the other hand, the movies that she's in 
you know, it's the, the America's sweetheart is still America's strong, young, you know, strong businesswoman. I, 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 the one movie that I found that was actually quite sweet was a circus movie, the jumbo jumbo movie. Um, and, uh, I think the same guy who's the same guy who is, I'm not sure if the same one in the cat, the, the mermaid one is in the, the jumbo movie one, but you know, th- th- that was a, like a circus movie. She's working in the circus. So there, there. Mm-hmm. Most of the movies that a quote America's Sweetheart that I found that she's making are these woman in the world movies rather than mm-hmm. wife and mother movies. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just maybe I, you know, I clearly maybe my search criteria were off, but I was wanting romantic comedies, but I was finding that they were, they felt much more like you know, a claim that you would make now about strong women in their professional lives. And, you know, the only way the men can actually get them is to play stupid. It was Homer Simpson, only, you know, Cary Grant sized. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, or Rock Hudson sized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was fascinating because, uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll go on the tangent now just to, just to contrast it between the other stories that I like because when we were, we're – um, collecting images, I said, "Oh well, I have to put something in that isn't uh, from the same era." And then I think subconsciously, I just wanted to cleanse my palate from this. <laughs> Go back <laughs> to the Jane Austen days because. Uh, so we have Jane Austen. Well, we have some women looking rather rather ferocious from a Jane Austen. Talk about Jane yes. Austen. Yes. Well, the women are not in the workplace in these stories. So, like, uh, yeah. So to con- so to contrast between all the the. Um, the American strong empowered females that are in romances, which are basically just oddly non-emotional business arrangements. Um, Austin was writing about uh, the complexity of women having to navigate becoming wives and mothers and, and getting paired off with men, even though they weren't emancipated at the time. I think that's far more fascinating um because these were girls which were still very much traditional they were at home with their parents you know like in pride and prejudice the bennett the bennett sisters are all home so much so that they've been homeschooled you know they're home educated they've never left the supervision of their parents before and they still go through all of these tribulations uh with the various men that come in and out of the the orbit of the family circle and uh, having to have uh, interactions with them. So I don't know, like if I give an overview of Pride and Prejudice, I just assume everybody's already read the book or seen the seen the the films. But uh, the the women in those stories were very feminine, even if they're this, the liberated characters, like the main character Elizabeth Bennet. She's supposed to be the most feminist of of all of them, right? Yet I find her extremely feminine. I don't know why everyone calls her a feminist. <laughs> Doris Day was very feminist. Well, so we've got but, some of the chat uh, that um, Casey's saying, Pillow Talk had a happy ending, though, when Hudson saw the error of his ways. That, I mean, that that will be the typical thing with Dor- the Doris Day movies, that she'll eventually get them to be virtuous. She'll, you know, make the men virtuous. But recognizing that her setups are typically, she's already, you know, the character is working. So the virtue is not in not having the women work. Um, it's also it's also completely demented. You were dating a guy who was lying to you the entire time. <laughs> You're not just like, oh well, he had a change of heart. I'll marry him. What kind 
of sociopathy and you're overlooking to have a baby with this guy. Are you mad? She's <laughs> demented. They would have, they should, that film should have ended up with Doris Day in an insane asylum. And like, having been catfished honestly, by the guy pretending to be the. If you're catfished, exactly. If you're catfished that badly and then you still end up marrying the dude, oh, no. That's enough to want to put an entire population of women on SSRI. <laughs> no wonder the West went down. Seriously. <laughs> it's horrible. What a horrible message to send Americans. You overlook all deception and fraud. For the sake of a hot six foot six guy, just because, like, you've just got to, you know, that's that's what it takes. Like, it's a horrible thing to be uh, pushing as a message. Well, we so um so um Silent Draco says the man who knew too much, not a rom com, showed Day his wife, mother, a singer. Yes, and that one I have seen. That's a one of the. Is it, is it Hitchcock when she has to sing Kesra Sera so that her son hears her and he doesn't get murdered? Um, <laughs> fair fair i you know i was avo- i was avoiding the thrillers uh, in all of this i mean i'm i i could, you could kind of done the hitchcocks with carrie grant a bit more um and casey says please don't eat the daisies also shows day is a happy homemaker um well what i mean what's funny is so my 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 mother and i spent christmas day watching home alone one and two and you know that's one a big family mm-hmm. you thought that would be good but of course the the premise of it is they keep forgetting the younger kids <laughs> i'm not <coughs> amazing parenting <laughs> amazing amazing parenting and and physical comedy i find my mother and i have a very of a similar you know, propensity for wily coyote getting smacked on the head with an anvil um you like the slapstick oh it, it was intense right so i you know that i like the slapstick in home alone better than i thought i would casey women overlook a lot of man's faults for money if not looks like hudson's all the time well this is i mean we're we're one the horror of of realizing that you know the 20th century is of a piece and there isn't there isn't necessarily this this interlude of domesticity necessarily because from the beginning to end of the code period from 1934 to 1968 all of you can find movies throughout that period that are all about working women and what the the war movies are about mm-hmm. women and the services the 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 you know the 50s and 60s movies are about them in the workplace it's 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 an interesting fiction that only it's only in the 60s that women are started being represented in the workplace it's like that's basically what they've been represented as for the whole time um so talk about the gaslighting right which which then takes me back to go back to well what's going on in pride and prejudice how much of that is is what we've been trained to expect it to be and and what isn't it i mean austin never got married she wrote all those books and and helped and didn't actually get that much money for any of them so she wasn't even like supporting herself writing Mm. (laughs) <laughs> lunatic artist <laughs> but with the, um, these videos will be great one day anyway <laughs> well look to austin to austin's credit that entire film was the the, the just a an overview of women's options at the time she wasn't condemning anybody for it either it was more of an overview of okay this is the condition that women are are in. Essentially, uh, all of the the females in the Bennett family are waiting for men to enter the family circle to then approach them to 
potentially propose marriage arrangements. And she's going through all of the social consequences of what happens when, uh, you know, they have to consider marriage not just as romance but as a social arrangement in order to keep the families cohesive and then you have property and inheritance issues and then you've got the um the the biological time uh pressure where you know uh, her her best friend hits 27 and mm. suddenly everyone's saying oh she's got no eggs you better hurry up and get married because you're like you're 12 months away from being completely untouchable um but the you know, there's catfishing in that in that story as well. So she's got Mr. Wickham who comes into the uh, to the to the family, completely misrepresents himself, lies about everybody, lies about himself, starts to court her. She catches feels. Then she finds out he's a horrible person because he ends up ruining her younger sister by running off and eloping with her. And you know, they have to have a shotgun wedding, mm-hmm. etc. And then finds out that the rich uh horrible man that she thinks is uh just you know awful mr darcy ends up being amazing because he's got the the most noble character of all of them and fixes up this you know this horrible elopement uh and saves the entire family's reputation from ruin and makes sure that her and her sisters can get married afterwards because the the you know the family name would have been trashed so badly they would have been untouchable I like this story. It seems to me that she was writing about complexity of the social situation and also saying that it wasn't just about money, it was about character. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just, I, I, I saw that story as that kind of uh, positive, like, hopefulness that, uh, you know, women may actually be in a position one day to make that kind of choice instead of having to marry for survival. Because they still had a business arrangement um, attitude towards things even then. It wasn't purely romantic. Elizabeth Bennett was unique because she wanted to marry for love. Mm. She didn't want to marry for social protection. So they were still expected to be arranging marriages (coughs) for that. Well, it's interesting to think... The, in the in the my my mid twentieth century rom coms, none of the women you know none of the character women characters need ma- to be married t- for support because mm-hmm. they've already got their own careers and no, and never in the ones I watch do they seem to be worrying about having children. I mean, they want a man, but they're not necessarily mm-hmm. talking about having. I mean, and and Doris Day often gets you know pregnant at the end of the the story, but they that isn't the feature of her interest at all. It, there, there's a kind of what you're saying mm-hmm. about the, the sort of weird lack of emotional response in a lot of these that I now thinking about it, there's, 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 it's not even clear what the emotion is that they're supposed to be no. going through. Nothing like love. It, it just, it looked like, uh, they were they were looking for a monogamous uh like they they were looking for monogamy but they weren't looking for the establishment of families they don't even i mean the characters don't even necessarily seem that worried about um you know lifelong monogamy i mean there's not a lot of mm-hmm discussion of oh i'll love you forever or something like that 
Oh yeah. Well, in Pillow Talk, that one of the one of the 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 men, Rock Hudson's best friend, he's been married three times already, and he's trying to get Doris Day. He wants her to be his fourth wife. Right, and they're and making jokes about the, so the number of jokes yeah. about adultery and 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 I thought, I mean, this this was you know talk about things that broke my my sense of own story that you know divorce became common in the United States in the 1970s. I mean, thanks Ronald Reagan, first in California and then around the country, so that, for example, my family was affected. Um, but the, the characters in this in these movies throughout the 30s, 40s, and 50s are getting divorced all the time. It's it's almost you know sort of matter of fact. Oh yes, which number wife is this? And there's regular jokes about it. I'm like, how are all these? I mean, they're fictional characters in the movies, but how are all these characters presumed to have been getting divorces? One of the first one movies I watched in this this series was a. Now, I don't remember who the actors and actress were, but the the premise is it's a artist um, whose wife had been one of his models, and they have a little girl who they've gotten divorced, and they're having to give the girl custody. So she's six months with the dad and six months with the mom, and they have to trade her out. And the girl doesn't like this, so she tries to get her parents back together, which I think happens. But I kept falling asleep, even though I tried watching it a second time. And 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 that that one is it's in black and white. It's you know, so it's fairly old. And I'm like, how common was divorce at the time? Even even thinking about oh, you know, it wasn't until the 70s that people yeah. you know ended up getting divorced. The, the movies were showing divorce constantly. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so was it was it reality or was that a pro Hollywood propaganda to normalize it? By the end of it, I'm you know starting to realize. That by, by the time the '70s came around, my parents had grown up with these movies. And my parents were born in 1938. They yeah. grew up watching these things when they were in in high school. By the time they hit their you know hit their late 30s, they'd seen you know one. You see actors portraying multiple relationships, which I think tends to have an effect right it's like which one is doris day with now yeah um but the stories yeah. themselves were constantly about not just you know adventures and romance which is what i thought i was getting but um people who are in multiple relationships as a matter of course of the storytelling mm. yeah it's very odd <laughs> i'm just I'm, I'm just thinking now of like uh you know, the conservatives, whatever they are, that we talk to a lot, you know, this desire for returning to the trad life. Mm. And they'll very often look back to this period as a um the golden the golden era for American family life. But uh if th if these stories are anything to judge by, I mean it's they were all childless. There weren't children running around in these, you know, in this in this vision of the American romance. Mm -hmm. There, there is no fertility. It was very, very infertile. It was. It was very strange. <laughs> so you had at the one one this poll is, you had Pride is, and Prejudice. The other one you said this is Adam Sandler's wedding yes. planner. Why why did you choose this one as the? Oh yeah 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 yeah. Oh, because I think secretly Adam Sandler was trying to save Western civilization. Oh, all right. <laughs> By making this movie, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so the wedding singer. Uh, it's just it's such a silly film, but I really love I love it because it's like a nineties does eighties vintage uh you know 80s celebration so the the whole aesthetic is just like 1980s 
uh, Adam Sandler is a guy who's a musician working as a full-time wedding singer and has a fiance because he wants to be, he wants to be married. He wants to be a husband. Mm -hmm. He wants to be a father. His girlfriend is, uh, horrendous, leaves him at the altar and then he goes through having a nervous breakdown and it's very, very funny. He ends up meeting a waitress who's working in the same uh, sort of company. So again, they meet at work, which mm -hmm. is something to note, but they're, they're working in the same uh, company. So she's working for the catering uh, side of things. And so she's waitressing and he's singing and they get to know each other. And then uh, she's getting married to a guy who works in finance. This is why I think Adam Sandler is trying to save Western civilization because uh, she's with a guy who's constantly working. He's like, uh, he's some kind of investment funds manager, doesn't have time to plan the wedding. Mm. So she asks Adam Sandler if he can help her plan their wedding. And then of course he goes through the process of sitting with her and they end up falling in love with each other, etc. But her, uh, the lead, uh, the lead actress in this is Drew Barrymore, and her finance fiance is horrible. He's sleeping around behind her back, has absolutely no intention of being monogamous once they're married. He reveals this to Adam Sandler when they're out having drinks with each other one evening, so uh, openly bragging about the fact that he's just marrying her because he trusts her to not be marrying him for his money which I find hmm. really, really interesting aspect of this story. So even though uh, he, he he's not trustworthy, he wants a trustworthy woman. He wants a virtuous woman, even though he's not in turn going to be virtuous with her. So Adam Sandler realizes that this beautiful girl is about to go with this um, uh dog is going to ruin her life and essentially he's like oh i can't let and talks to her best friend uh who tells him that you can't wreck this relationship she's going to marry him and he's going to provide everything she needs mm. women need the provision they need the status and the security so and you can't offer that to her so just leave her alone leave her be so they go through this like uh uh you know this this struggle and he's he's suddenly going all right i'm not going to be a wedding singer anymore i'm going to go work for a bank <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a kind of interesting thing because uh it's like he's involved in culture he's involved in the celebration of life the celebration of the creation of family and then it's like that kind of person versus someone in finance who's not interested in virtue, doesn't want children, so he's not in interested in fertility. Uh, you know, it's like the sterility of the finance world versus actual culture and actual life. Mm -hmm. That's what I liked about that story. Of course, uh, lots of things happen. Adam Sandler ends up racing to rescue her from a Vegas shotgun wedding um, uh, and then eventually gets her. And Yeah, it's a great, it's a great ending. But... Um, actually romantic in the sense of the stories that I thought I would be seeing when I was watching those code films. There is a lot of emotion, but there's also discussion on like what it means to create a family. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the lead character in the the wedding singer is living still with his brother and his wife so there's like this extended family experience which and everyone was you know sort of saying oh you're still living with your brother and blah 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 but um you know it's kind of like old catholic situation where it's like multi-generational households everyone's there he's working trying to save money to get his own career going uh and wants to build the family structure versus this uh, other guy who just wants a good woman that's not going to marry him for his money. So it's an interesting story. Um, and actually romantic, yeah. Yeah, so it's, this is making me wonder, it's like maybe, you know, the we, we've grown up, you know, I've grown up with more romantic movies by seeing the ones that were being made during my, maybe it's the 80s, maybe what I'm actually longing for, because like, you know, Crocodile Dundee. Mm. I like. I like rewatching that one. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. This is uh, Sheila and everything, and he lies to her about how many times he's taken people out to his his you know hut in the in the wilderness. But on the other hand, he's like there mm -hmm. to defend her and so forth. I mean, the the sort of yes. romantic uh, stereotypes seem to fit better with I don't know the eighties than than the fifties. How is that? How is that possible? How... <laughs> Was chivalry somehow trying to emerge from <laughs> from the West in the eighties? This could explain a lot. I mean, it's like Excalibur chivalry. came out right in eighty two or so. It, but the the uh -huh. the um, I, I I do think this is an interesting sort of problem. And when exactly is the fantasy that we're apparently trying to live according to? when is it created as opposed mm. to when, you know, is it projected onto? So we've got in the eighties, like back to the future, right? Projecting on to the fifties, yeah. the fantasy of going back and getting your parents together at the, the, the um, prom dance in, in high school. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But the things that the people were watching in the fifties are not that they're, they're not watching about how I'm going to meet my, my love, my love at the prom night. Yes. Well, maybe that's what happened. Reagan uh, allowed divorce. Divorce started becoming legally normalized instead of Hollywood normal. Mm. And all of the 80s kids were hungry for chivalry and uh, traditional courtship. Which now we're going to try to figure out whether it ever, you know, did it ever actually exist? One hopes it did. Mm. <laughs> But no, seriously, it's like I'm at my mom's house. I came down with this, you know, stupid cold and I'm wanting to watch stuff that's going to feel, you know, sort of glamorous and fun and restful. And so I am obviously picking the movies that seem to have fun locations or, you know, nice settings or something like that. Could have watched the Waltons, I suppose. I remember growing up with that, but that it didn't have the chivalric character that I have always been told, you know, belong to those periods. And that those are the movies that came out before I was born and never showed on television. Allegedly, when I was growing up, or I never saw them, right? When I was growing up by the, the 70s, they have the, the sitcom Love American Style, which was, you know, basically all about, uh, you know, pick up, pick up, pick up artists kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it's like mm -hmm. the, the, the Love American Style is the scene, right? The the um, disco and, yes. and things like that. And t to find out, I mean, this is, this is probably not a, you know, a, a wildly novel observation, but to recognize that often the fantasies that we're hoping to live by a never existed and B are close. They're closer to what we have actually 
ourselves been living than we thought. How's that? Mm. <laughs> We're more romantic than we realized. <laughs> well, that's a nice thought because everyone is blackpilling about the interactions between men and women at the moment. Yes, constantly. I mean, we, 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 so we're back with the pillow talk and they're on the telephone, right? I love, I love the, yes. I, my framing on these pictures is not great because they're this way and I've only got this space to, to show them. But this is what Kiltz was describing that, you know, there's Rock Hudson on the phone with Doris Day and the, 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 the sort of cleverness in the way in which they film these things where they're not allowed to show people in bed together. So they show people in bed together by putting them both on the phone together. <laughs> so they're, they're in, they're in, you know, in bed together, talking on the phone to each other, and you're supposed to feel that this is really racy. Well, just wait till you see the next way they cut this. So they do this. She's lying down on the bed, and he is in the inset image on the the top of the screen, lying on top of her. Oh yeah, I'm sure somebody got a bunch of giggles out of that. <laughs> oh, they did a similar thing with the bathtub too, where they had the split screen. They'll yeah. both the bath and the fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're being racy and stuff about showing you know, yeah. they're in bed together, but you know, on the phone with each other. But I, I wanted, I wanted to us to talk through some of this because you've been telling me about your adventures in the in the um, discussions. Can you, can you talk more about what you're what you've encountered oh. and what's frustrating about them? I quit chats. I just decided, like I think it was last week the week before I've quit a bunch of chats because the, okay, this is the Andrew Tate apocalypse era now. Yep. It's, so this is, you know, it's, it's, it's all sort of bubbling underneath everybody's, uh, everybody's fury with the state of our culture right now. And talking to a lot of people that are, you know, they want to be traditional. They want to go against modernity. They're uh, unhappy with the state of women being completely over emancipated in, in the workforce and they hate feminism, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and yet I have absolutely no idea how to talk to women. Absolutely no idea. Mm. Not even in a, even in a, uh, a chat room environment where it's like we're all kind of on the same page with a lot of things. There just seems to be nothing but fury uh, at the <laughs> the lack of Bukistani style uh, male veneration in Western women. Mm. And that's what I found really interesting watching that particular movie because uh, it seems like a lot of guys uh, that I was talking to have this vision that Western women were like Orientals in these uh, Orientalist rom-coms. That once upon a time in the golden age before we were in the office, we were always completely doting on them. Uh, perfectly obedient, perfectly submissive, uh, had absolutely no ambition to do anything outside of their home, etc. And then added on top of that is the the fury that they have at the um, the war on masculinity. <laughs> so we've got somebody like Andrew Tate out now, uh, 
He's just been recently arrested in Romania for allegedly sex trafficking women. Mm. Uh, even though he, you know, he's admitted to being a being a cam a cam girl uh, pornographer. So we go back to Pillow Talk again. He uh, Tate was uh, like Rock Rock Hudson on steroids <laughs> in the sense that you know he's setting up he's setting up catfishing operations to hustle all of these guys out of their money um, by having uh, women that he's. Uh, groomed and manipulated into falling in love with him then go on and work as sex workers for him to make money for him mm. and he said that he put them on screen and had them typing on a keyboard that wasn't plugged in while he was in the back doing all of the typing and telling all of the stories to the boys that uh he needed to tell them in order to um you know hustle them out of all of their money so I, like you know, I've got two thoughts that that are running at the same time. But like the the Rock Hudson archetype of catfishing on the phone is kind of got. It's just it's never ended. It just kept going, <laughs> <laughs> but it got worse. <laughs> it went to Romania, and um, that's that's become a lot of people's uh, vision of virtuous masculinity. This and, is making uh, no sense uh, to me. You're going to need to talk talk me. I don't even. I I had not heard of Andrew Tate maybe dimly until like three days ago or a week ago or whatever. He was extremely obscure until he went on Tucker Carlson and then he did a Pierce Morgan interview. Ah, okay. Because he had a or he had a pyramid scheme, so it was like a he had uh you know thousands of guys that were posting about him on social media to push him into the algorithm. Got it. And because he was saying a bunch of vaguely true things, you know, vague truisms about the state of our culture and censorship and everything, he ends up on Tucker Carlson and Piers Morgan. And he's presented to the culture as this incredible alpha male rebel against the um, feminist, feminist West and the emasculated men of Western culture. Mm. So that's where he sort of emerges and then instantly gets... Uh, arrested and uh, a lot of the guys on on the internet were saying oh they're trying to take him down because he's telling the truth which I, I just found really odd because he wasn't <laughs> he made his money literally by not telling the truth right. and by pretending to be cam girls um so I mean which fits with the this, it fits with this, the Rock Hudson character in Pillow Talk when he's he's yes, he's he's yeah, it does. um the 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 conversations that Doris Day keeps overhearing with him are he's talking to yet another woman that he's trying to he get does. into bed by pretending to be writing songs for her. So yes. Andrew Tate's working in in a in real life <laughs> in a long tradition of uh, seducers. Yeah, like the pick up the pick up artistry thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's a it's just a <laughs> it's a long tradition. Um, and I find it really fascinating that this is the kind of masculinity that's been pushed to the, like, it's been fake deplatformed, but platformed and presented to all of the young men now as the solution to feminist takeover. You have to be like mm. this. This is like the, uh... This is the masculinity they're trying to destroy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, 
obviously it isn't if uh this is the kind of masculinity that got doris day in that that film you know this is actually hollywood's version of of a uh, alpha male right very much so in 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 this in this pillow talk yeah i'm just i'm just so i'm gonna unfortunately make you sad about pride and prejudice but um it's a, <laughs> no. not about pride and prejudices as such right jane austen was a great writer and and very um delicate mm. in her scathing <laughs> descriptions i i think when i first read jane austen i didn't fully appreciate how how amazingly strong she is as a writer it's like she you know this mm. this 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 little pin flourish of what apparently is simply straight description is this whole layers of social commentary she's she's delightful um I mean, and Northanger Abbey is, of course, hysterical when she's sending up all of the gothic um, romances. But the 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 imagine the imagining of like in her moment when she's writing that what she's describing is traditional. When you're talking about Andrew Tate and his schemes and his and his alleged schemes and his you know pickup artistry and stuff, um, I think he's been outclassed many times. But most famously, and if he ends up in prison. Um, he can follow follow the instructions that that in fact the man I'm about to mention um, could have given to him about what do you do when you're in prison, for example, imprisoned in Venice under the roof and in the leads because you've seduced an entire convent of nuns. Oh well, if you're Casanova, <laughs> you're going to end up reading Maria Sor Maria de Agreda, uh, Mystical City of God, because the Inquisitor only gives you that or the the Sacred Heart meditation, and you think the Sacred Heart is crazy, so you're going to read about this crazy nun who is you know having conversations with the Virgin Mary, so she's completely nuts. You have no idea, modern Western men how effective Casanova was <laughs> at talking himself into every single court in Europe, every single money-making scheme. He manages to talk the King of France into a lottery scheme that, you know, da, da, da. he ends up in, I don't think he ends up in prison more than once. I can't remember. <laughs> Casanova's crypto. Cas oh, that's if, fantastic. If, Andrew Tate, if you're listening and you want to have something to read, if they send you to prison, ask for Casanova. It'll keep you going. For volumes and volumes and volumes, I think it's like twelve <laughs> volumes in the of, of memoirs, right? Which Casanova writes or imagines at the end of his life in seventeen ninety eight or thereabouts. After he survives the French Revolution, we don't know how. Um, as philosophy, right? He's going to, as a philosopher, describe his, um, you know, sort of self discovery through basically all of these adventures, which include some pretty racy scenes. I tell you. I, I was I was reading it as as you know research for figuring out bits to assign to my class in history of European civilization and I think it would count as porn. <laughs> so it wouldn't have wouldn't have survived the Hayes Code. <laughs> <coughs> oh well, the the woman that he ends up this is just in the first half of the abridged version in the library you know American Library Classics or which version it was reading where this woman who's been traveling around pretending to be a young man he's trying to have sex with her as a young man and then she has to confess that the penis that she has isn't real <laughs> 18th century people <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be amazed uh, this is this song. is the milieu that's in which like, of course he wanted the, go ahead that's not even like he got catfished by a trout he wanted the lady boy. Yes! Who ends up not being the lady boy. <laughs> or vice versa.
as far as I can't remember which way it went, but it's like, no, I think it, it was, she was, she was pretending to be a boy because that was, I can't remember, but it's, it's truly, if you, any, any scenario you can imagine, Casanova's already done it. And if he didn't, his contemporary and, you know, fellow philosopher, the Marquis de Sade definitely did. So, so you know, it's like when I think when Jane Austen is writing, one, she is writing actually against a lot of this stuff. Um, Northanger Abbey with it against the the Gothic romance that were popular in the in the late nineteenth in the late eighteenth century. She is inventing a virtue that hadn't been there, much as we could say Adam Sandler is trying to do. And mm-hmm. the, the ones you like are actually the ones that are trying to invent virtuous stories out of a morass of sin and, and philosophical um, justification, self-justification for their, their adulteries um, in, in, in the pride. So, you know, maybe this is consoling. It's not new again. Mm. So what you, I'd like to rephrase this romantically. (laughs) What you're saying is I like people that are, are trying to transcend the sluts and whores. (laughs) (laughs) of their particular generation to create something beautiful okay (laughs) but it does it does leave us so here's here we have doris day and this i think this is a the different one it's still that is rock hudson isn't it she's lying on a this is this is another one where they revise the same sort of problem and pillow talk but he has to pretend to be like um too embarrassed to have sex this character and and so he's going to seduce her. Oh, he tries yeah. seducing her by you know saying, oh I, you know I'm I'm so ashamed I can't do it. And so she talks herself into believing that you know she's going to give up her virtue to help him gain his self confidence. <laughs> it's too much. I would have been if I would if I was in charge of the code. I would have been that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would have demanded a different outcome at the end. Oh man. That's so bad. But okay, but this is, this is, you know, this is the, the, the Doris Day and Grock Hudson were apparently good friends. I didn't read up all of the gossip stuff about how, you know, I think they were just like friends, right? So that, that's fine. But, um, Hmm. that the, 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 the sort of quintessential version of the American romance of the mid 20th century, Doris Day's America's Sweetheart is the strong woman dealing with the awkward, you know, confused or pretending to, I mean, he's catfishing her again, right? Confused man who she gets to, you know, feel more knowledgeable than or something like that. I did watch some French ones. They go, they tend to go a different direction. (laughs) (laughs) I do things a little different in Europe. Um, No, that's just like, it's just proving, it's proving my thesis correct that there's been a long damaging tradition of men getting free affection and free respect mm. if she was willing to give him her virtue so that he would increase his confidence yep he's earned nothing that's the ultimate freebie yes and oh. she's in this beautiful little bubbly dress it's like glittery and 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 and, and everything and she's talking herself she's i mean in the in in they do end up, I think at the end of that one, they end up, she's pregnant and get, they get married and stuff like that. But in this scene, she's talking herself into it being virtuous to help him get over his shyness about his sexuality.
But just just saying what American women in the mid 50s were too scared of, you know, strong masculine men. This could have been made yesterday. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Apparently American Why? women have been afraid of strong, you know, what happened to John Wayne characters? And of course, Clint Eastwood characters are always they're 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 off, you know, straying back off into the sunset or something. So I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> But it's it's interesting how much the myth of the period that we have that we're supposed to be not wanting or wanting doesn't mm -hmm. exist even in the movies that are apparently supposed to be the carriers of that myth. It is. I'm wondering why this was the ideal or this was the status quo, if it was why they were scared of having men in the lead like truly in the lead right well they're clear so they're making these movies to get women to watch them presumably mm -hmm. right these are the romantic comedies so you're going to get the female audience and they 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 and they have this sense that having doris day playing these you know athletic and she's very slender and beautiful you know and I, I get their stunt doubles in the circus one, but, um, you know, that it's, it's, or, you know, I, I, I wasn't watching like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, but, you know, their dances and there's elegance and, and there's such like that. But the women in all of these American movies are all assertive and self-confident and the men are there to, to be like sidekicks for their self-confidence almost. Mm. Yeah, they're side characters. This is... I've, I've switched now. Here's another of the Doris Day. This is Doris Day with her counterpart in the Pajama Game movie, where, you know, she's going to have to stand up for the union no, no matter how much he says he loves her. And, of course, the drama of it is that she is, in fact, going to stand up for the workers' rights as opposed to recognizing that he needs, you know... he. he he, as the manager, also has to stand up for the thing that he's supposed to stand up for. And so they split up and then get back together. But the splitting up has to be over her, you know, needing to to, to be the, the complaint manager for the union. Which is, I mean, it's mm. garment work, so a lot of women are in it. But So is this the American empire needing to fictionalize and... Uh... get American women to identify with the workplace as their husband. As their as as the the, the primary uh like masculine authority in their lives is the workplace. It seems to be over I mean so Silent Draco saying ask the writers who are not strong confident men. Casey, nineteen fifties Hollywood seemed to work hard at convincing women to take the lead sexually and in business. They sure did. I mean, mm -hmm. way more than I had expected in making this little journey. Silent Draco saying Tate might suicide after reading it, feeling his own inadequacy. Well, but he'd, you know, be philosophical about it by the end of reading Casanova. <laughs> <laughs> Casey saying this is the decade the feminine mystique was published. But I mean, what, but, you know, sort of the claim of the feminine mystique is that everybody's stuck in the suburbs, which of course Frieden wasn't. But um, mm. that it's, you know, it's not, it's hardly Frieden on her own that's creating this image. I mean, all these movies are set very typically in New York. So, you know, they get the glamour mm -hmm. of, of, of the big city. Um, 
I mean, even even the pajama game is really set in 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 a New York factory, I think. So it is the Empire. It's the it is it's like a Empire State vision of American life. It's New York, you know. It's not uh, the rural South. Well, so I guess I was consciously not watching Westerns, which I'm more familiar with. And and I, I would say maybe the, the, sex, the sexual relations of the Westerns, perhaps it's where it lives, right? The sort of fantasy version of the strong man who can fight off the either fight off the Indians or fight off the, the, the bad guys. Mm -hmm. um, the South as such, things like the hillbilly South. I mean, there, there's, there's in, in, in the television culture, a series of those 1960s, 50, I guess they're 50s, 60s, the, the um, things like Petticoat Junction and um, the, the Beverly Hillbillies and there's a few others that, or maybe Andy, Andy, um, oh, what's the, I can't remember what his name is. The kid, the, the scene is, um, start, they all start going off fishing. There is a, an, an, a, a sort of period when the television series will show the South kind of affectionately, but the, all of those shows are canceled about the same time in, in the early seventies. We're not really allowed to have mm. in the United States, a um, positive image of the South interesting but these movies that i you know the sort of version of things that i was looking at you know they're all set in the city they're all set in this this professional high life um mm. it, not that aristocratic right most of the the characters are i mean one of the one of the fun christmas ones we watched over the, the not in this set when i was sick but um it happened on fifth avenue which is a kind of sweet story about the 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 hobo and his he collects the people around him over christmas living in the mansion but it's another you know sort of uh i mean challenge to business there's a number of challenge to business movies i guess like the pajama game mm -hmm. i i find that really interesting that they weren't making stories about love independent from industrial relations of some description or the workplace of some description. Because to me, that means the culture, even at that time, was not creating stories about uh, love independent of the money power. The influence of uh, the influence of you know, uh, professional life and having a distinction between the family and the, and the manager, you know, mm. having a distinction between your family and your boss, this division between the private world of the family and the, the professional world that was supposed to exist in order to, uh, support and feed and provide for the family everything happens in that world of work where women are not mothers because they don't have children in in that world 
You can't bring a child into that world. There are no children in an office. I find that very odd. Mm. Well, as we're thinking about, it, I'm thinking it's like in the TV land, you have things like the Dick Van Dyke show, which had Mary Tyler Moore at home as the mother. Um, the the um, the counterpart to the the mermaid NASA movie that I watched, I think, would be something like I Dream of Jeannie, where the the, ast oh, the yeah. astronaut finds Jeannie and she stays home and is is a is a housewife or bewitched, right? Where and that one being the premise being. Samantha um, has to give up her. I mean, D Darren's always wanting her to not to not to do the magic, and she's trying to be a good yes. a good housewife by not doing the magic. But she always ends up doing using the magic. That's you know her professional abilities are so in in so far as there is a an, an image of domesticity, it's coming out. In fact, perhaps more in these these television series than it is in the movies. Mm. Yeah, like the Adams family, or I mean, or the Adams family and the Munsters, right? Those are both late '60s. Mm -hmm. Those, I think they both, I think they both run in the late '60s, around the same, and, the, and they run together, right? It's like the Adams family mm -hmm. is the aristocratic family, and the Munsters is the working family, and then people divide mm -hmm. up over which one of the series they like better. Um, but they ran, they mm -hmm. ran for about the same amount of time, at about at about the same time. I mean, exactly like the same years. Is it interesting though, because the women in those all all four of those series, Bewitched, I Dream of Genie, Monsters, and Adam's Family, mm. they're myth mythological characters. They're not real women. Right. You have to be a witch, a genie, a vampire, or <laughs> a very committed goth in order to stay <laughs> home with children. <laughs> you know, but not a regular normie female. But maybe say we say um, okay, so we could keep adding images here of uh, something like Lost in Space, where the whole family goes off in space. So it's uh -huh. it's the the um, yep. family Robinson, or um, I, I thought of another one. Oh, like so then I've done previous deep dives and you know sort of moments of, of relaxation and rest and watching um, the Partridge Family from the early seventies or the Brady Bunch. You realize the Brady Bunch, we mm -hmm. mentioned that because they had the housekeeper, right, who was clearly modeled yeah. on all of these previous movie housekeepers, although Alice doesn't seem to be getting drunk most of the time. Um, the Partridge family, I found, is strikingly just as disturbing <laughs> as all of these movies because once she's widowed, right, so she, the, the it's a single mom, the Mrs. Mm -hmm. Partridge, a single mom taking care of the family. Um, and many of the plots that they're in are... You know, it's early 70s, so there's, there's, you know, I can't remember if there's any war activism. One of the better ones is when they go to Detroit and have to, you know, help the the um, the local um, black club earn some money so that they can stay open. Because when they've been booked by, when Ruben has booked them. But Ruben is like, he's like, he's not a proper husband because he's just their agent, right? So he can't actually take care of the family in, in the man's role. Um, he's booked them mm -hmm. in a place where they can't perform unless they help the the locals out, right? And you know, recognizing that the seventies is doing that, the early seventies are doing that quite consciously in their scripting. Um, 
you know, the, the, the more I watch, the, the more I cannot find the time in which our American media has not been subversive of allegedly traditional <laughs> culture, unless they're monsters, right? Unless, as you say, they're goths or yeah. vampires or witches or Well, it puts it in the realm of fairy tale then, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, it, it basically proposes that the only way that this can exist is in fairy tale and not in reality. Because mm. in the real world, there is no patriarch at home. In the real world, there is no masculine uh, central pillar of the family that is very much a part of the home life. It's only in fairy tale. You have to be, a, you know, you have to have a genie or a witch or a goth or a, a vampire. What does that do psychologically to an entire society? You know, never having a very strong masculine patriarch as a part of that home situation. Because mm. I'm thinking now, I go fast forward into my, like, peak epic patriarch archetype, which is <laughs> the godfather. <laughs> you know I rant about it all the time. But how different is that in comparison to all of these different romantic relationships you know the depictions of like the ideal trad romance mm. you've got all the working women and then a man who's incompetent or pretends to be incompetent in order to get the woman the godfather is the complete opposite <laughs> women are at home central focus is family life and the only way the men can get at them is if they integrate into patriarchal structure and prove themselves worthy enough to stay in that patriarchy and take care of the women that are a part of the patriarchy. And then they're depicted as criminals and murderers. <laughs> and it's like, I find that really interesting. Well, so what, what would we say is if you want to be tried, if you want to be tried Catholics, you have to be gangsters. Well, I can, you just, you just blew. So if you want to be trad, you have oh, to I be blew. Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> so this one, this this the still that I'm showing now is for, is is from Gigi, right? And this this is the opposite version of things that you know the the French movie where she's growing up with her courtesan um, aunt, the great aunt, and her mother is a singer, right? So you never see the mother; she's always just practicing her songs. And um, the 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 uh, I just think the grandmother. She's living with the grandmother and the great aunt is trying to train her how to be a proper courtesan, right? And um, she, mm -hmm. in fact, doesn't want to be, and she wants to, then you know, therefore have the romance that she does. And I can't, I must have fallen asleep because I don't remember how it played out, right? But there's the, you know, there's a, there was a lot of elegance and beautiful Edwardian turn-of-the-century dresses and, and, and things like that in it. But the, the problem that she had to start with was how not to end up a courtesan, <laughs> how, in fact, to end up, um, you know, the, the, the virtuous young woman that this nobleman is going to fall in love with i think he has to make some provision so that he can actually be with her rather than not just take care of her which is what the usual arrangement had been mm. that's interesting so the switch between business arrangement to <clears throat> romance Oh, casey says as soon as Gigi comes of age gaston is banished from the house until he agrees to court her properly Yes, well, she's she's sort of grown up like having him as her her playmate that they play cards and things like that, and then 
Gigi grows up mm. and now, but the thing is, I think the, 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 the case, you can correct me if I'm, I'm, I admit I've seen all of these a in a blur and B sick. So, um, that the, the great Anne is actually sad that Gigi doesn't want to accept Gaston's, um, arrangement to have her as his mistress, which I think neither Gigi nor Gaston want, but the, the sort of scandal in this one is that Gigi wants to, in fact, be properly married, but she's poor. So how can he do that? He has to, you know, give up his, his, um, aristocratic expectation of marrying someone, his own social class. Mm-hmm. Then we get into hypergamy. <laughs> oh, wait, we've got some more slides here, right? See, where well, are we going now? Oh, here we that's have the other thing. This is, this is, um, Cary Grant with, uh, that's uh, Betsy Drake, I believe, who he did actually marry. And so they're in the, the, um, she's dressed up to try to, pre 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 she's trying to pretend that she is somebody that he would want to be with. And interestingly in real life, they, she did persuade him. So that's, that's nice. So the, 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 which way do we go? I'm trying to get to the last one she gave me. There we go. The ladies in their diamonds. Oh, okay, gentlemen for Fabulous. Yes. <laughs> um so should I talk about that? Yes. Talk about why I chose that. Yes. Um because it, it's a beautifully honest look at the necessity of uh gold digging <laughs> <laughs> in western culture. <laughs> I mean, this is, they're the opposite of everyone we've been talking about is these professional women who are not, you know, it's like Doris Day taking pity on Rock Hudson characters because they're, they're clumsy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mar Marilyn is feminine as no one else because she's not interested whatsoever in helping men <laughs> at all. Doesn't care. Has no, like, there's no free affection. <laughs> no free affection, no no free respect. She's very black and white. Uh, it's very easy to get her attention. So in this story, uh, her name's Lorelei. I forget her friend's name. But they're two. They 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 work, but they work as performance. They're artists. They dance and mm. they're singing in nightclubs as entertainment. Um, so, not really ambitious in the same sense of you know working in a, in a corporate environment or in an office environment and uh both of them are unmarried uh and both want to get married marilyn monroe's character is engaged to a guy who is very wealthy and uh the girls are going on a cruise and they're on their way to paris so that she can get married but her fiance's father is not very happy with the arrangement because she's not wealthy at all she's got no money and he's unhappy about the arrangement because he thinks that she's just marrying his son for the money. So in the background, there's a lot of scheming to get the wedding uh, cancelled. And the girls go on this cruise, they're on the way to France. And you see throughout this uh, cruise, Marilyn Monroe's relationship to wealth and how shameless she is about admitting <laughs> that she she loves money she's she's only interested in giving her attention to men with money so there's this funny scene where 
she's talking to a gentleman who's introduced to her and uh, she starts to have a vision as someone's telling her that he owns a diamond mine in South Africa. And suddenly, you know, you see the, the diamond kind of going over his face and shine and, you know, he's got her full attention. But um, it's a really good story. It's a really good look at actually what is happening in a lot of marriage arrangements that people don't talk about mm. out in the open and what people's expectations are for relationships that they don't talk about in the open, whereas Marilyn's character is completely honest and actually quite virtuous. She's not... Uh, messing around behind her fiance's back she's very very uh very loyal mm -hmm. she's got men throwing themselves at her they're paying money to the uh head waiter at the restaurant in the in the cruise liner in order to sit at the same table as her and her friend so she's she's that valuable that men are willing to pay hundreds of dollars in order to sit at the same table as her but even though they're willing to do that people are scandalized by her admission that she wants to marry money. Mm -hmm. So the whole film is this magnificent, like revealing of the hypocrisy of everybody because her best friend on the other hand is, uh, denying that that's a factor in the relationship, uh, denying that that's going to be a factor in her choosing a mate. And so she starts talking to a, a guy who, uh, is pretending He's there spying on them, pretending to be another cruise passenger, but he's actually there to wreck the relationship between Marilyn Monroe and her rich fiancé, mm. working for the future father-in-law. Anyway, so her friend is going with him because she thinks he's poor and, uh, you know, she doesn't want to be perceived as the gold digger that her best friend is. And Mar Marilyn is telling her, uh, what's the point? in uh and not you know going for someone with money and she said oh that's all you care about and she said well you can you know uh if you had the if you had the choice between the two of them which would be better uh someone handsome who loves you with money or someone handsome who loves you with no money so it's just it's very funny very very good overview of this like kind of tension and at the end of the film uh the wedding marilyn's wedding is sabotaged and she's beside herself she's broken-hearted mm. her fiance travels to see her eventually and they reconcile and he says my father's not going to permit the wedding she said well we have to go and talk to him because if he doesn't get the father's permission he doesn't get the inheritance right so she goes with him to speak to the father and then has this wonderful monologue where the father says you're only uh you know i don't trust you and blah 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 i don't think you really love my son and she says oh no i do love your son uh and he said oh you're only marrying him for his money and she goes no i'm marrying him for your money <laughs> so he's completely scandalized <laughs> and he's completely scandalized by this and then she says well What's wrong with that? If you had a daughter, wouldn't you want her to have the best of everything? If you had a daughter, wouldn't you want her also to marry someone who had the means to take care of her and give her everything she wanted and make her wildly happy? Mm -hmm. So he's sort of going silent because he realizes he's not dealing with an idiot. And um, 
anyway, so she she manages to kind of flip the conversation on the sh the shame that she's been receiving with her shameless gold digging, saying, I do actually love him, but I would prefer to be in love with a man who doesn't have money troubles so that we can just focus on being in love and not focus on the woes of financial difficulty and poverty, etc. Mm. So she's revealing herself to be this uh, uh, ideal romantic. She wants love in the marriage without any of the money worries. So it's quite cute. So anyway, she takes off. She takes the father off to persuade him, and then eventually he, you know, he consents to the wedding. So her and her best friend they end up getting married together. It's a double wedding. It's very cute, mm. but it's a great it's a great storyline, because <clears throat> in all of these other situations, you've got the women working who are, you know, in all of the Hayes Code's movie Hayes Code movies, you've got all of the women who are working. They're independent. Uh, they're uh, embarrassed uh, to admit that they need the man. If there's the breakup, they're not even emotional about it. So it's mm. like they're almost, it really was, it was like a psychotic independence. They're financially and materially independent, but they're emotionally and spiritually independent. It's like there, there was no need for the connection. Whereas Marilyn, she's shamelessly telling everybody she wants complete <laughs> material dependence uh but also she wants the love i don't know i just thought it was very mm. cute it was like oh this is actually romantic there was something genuinely romantic in that story that doesn't exist in all of those other movies yeah well to me it, it it's always felt that there's this going back to your your in real life online conversations this this kind of strange refusal to recognize that women actually do want men who can take care of them. Yes, yes. And you know that uh, you could say it, it. It seems like decades of Evo psych should have given us an easy answer here. Uh, <laughs> when you are you know pregnant or or nursing or caring for your children or homeschooling and stuff, you really need a man to be able to take care of you, to protect the, you know, you from the, the, the wolves outside the, the cave door as it were. And mm. it, it was fascinating to me that the, you know, the, 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 I would say Hayes code, I think, you know, gentlemen prefer blondes is in the Hayes code too, but the, the, you know, the thirties to, to sixties movies where these women are portrayed, they, they don't, none of the ones I found were they at all, you know, interested in the man as anything other than, uh, you know, uh, I'm not even sure. Right. It's like now that we've been talking about him, like the Kendall, they want the Kendall. They don't actually want to provide it's a Kendall kind of thing. I'm not Kendall. even sure what they want. Yeah. Right. It's like, because they're, they're just sort of interested in he's coming at there. The men are all like, you know, sexy and coming after the women and, you know, look at them and, 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 and are, you know, interested in having them. But the, the, as you've been saying, it's like, there's, there's no reason for these people to want to be together other than sex which we're not allowed to show on camera because of code. So in fact, these movies, which are mm -hmm. apparently about these independent women and these Rock Hudson guys pretending not to, 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 to know how to seduce women, it's still all only about sex. There was nothing, there's, there's, there's mm -hmm. no family, there's no love, there's no, 
It's whether or not the two of them can figure out how to get each other to have sex. Yes. And and they're not yes. really courtships for the most part, at least these ones that I was seeing. Um and curiously not very emotional about anything. This is this is this is a curious place, Stephen. He's like we we I've I've spent mm-hmm. t- a whole week sick watching movies with no emotional content. Yeah, yeah. I was struck by that when I was watching Dream One. Mm-hmm. It was like shocking <laughs> to to see zero attempt at portraying the negative emotion associated with the breaking of an engagement. They just they were up 24 hours later back to back to work back to business as usual. Mm-hmm. So whose very, fantasy very is this? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, this is like so well so we're going to have to go look at the writers, oh my goodness, and the movie producers and the who's making these movies and and the and the problem that we have of okay, if the only the only characters that we can think of either the Godfather or the Addams family <laughs> are, you know, gothic and weird or catholic um it, I think I found a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> it, could it be? Could it be? I mean what you were saying before about the empire, yes, it's it's this I mean the dream wife was so overtly that. It's the the whole mm-hmm. relationship that the Bukistani princess has is going to be for the Americans about whether or not her father signs the trade deal. And, yeah. and you know, the irony of it being that they're portraying the Bukistani as traditional and she's raised only to please men. But the only reason the Americans care about this is not whether or not she's being used, but whether or not her father will stick with the, the, um, the, the, the government arrangements over the oil. Yes. So, yeah, they're, they're, they've accused the Bukistanis of being backwards, but that they're, they're uh, more oriental than the orientals <laughs> somehow the, the, the mirror effect is is so is 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 so intense here <laughs> it's like which way are we looking who's being mercenary about what yeah 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 whereas the 1980s adam sandler was uh it was just that was it were purely emotional completely purely in like zero decisions made in terms of like a, mm. a business a business arrangement it was discussed in the film they didn't they didn't uh avoid that which i enjoyed about it you know the discussion on the the idea that men are supposed to be providing that was specifically discussed in that movie to the credit of the producers of the film who, who um, put it together mm. because they show the traps there. You know, it's a very difficult thing to navigate. You don't want to end up with a broke wedding singer who's not able to give a life to you that is uh, secure for the sake of raising children. At the same time, you don't want to be with Greg Gullia, who's the finance guy, uh, marrying you just so that he's marrying someone who's not getting at him for his money right so he's playing business you know it's like the finance guy wants to play business and get a woman who's not playing business and that's what i liked about that narrative is it shows that it shows that kind of double standard as well that the men are very conscious of the fact that it is a business arrangement 
or there the element of marriage being biz an element of marriage being a business arrangement mm -hmm. but when women are overtly saying this out loud they become gold digging whores <laughs> whereas you know uh so women are expected to have this deeply emotional uh fantasy version of what it's like to be in love and getting married and having the you know the white wedding and everything mm. but the moment they start to project their desire for security oh you know we're getting mm, you're not very feminine you know this is terrible uh you break the fantasy then that uh i think this is why a uh, gentleman proverb blondes was so brilliant because it was so out in the open and yet the fantasy wasn't broken because uh it was admitted in that story that that's such, it's a fundamental part of the entire business of getting married the business of romance is business yet she doesn't want that to be primarily the reason for getting married she wants the resources so she doesn't have to think about the resources right it's cleverly done was very cleverly done and not a lot of these movies are discussing this it's like either the guys are really wealthy and it's like oh i don't care i don't want to discuss it because it doesn't matter to me which is a load of crap because they would be <laughs> right they wouldn't be dating you know he wouldn't be the lead unless he was rich so they disprove their thesis immediately uh just by always having wealthy successful uh ambitious men as the leads in the films wedding singer had a completely different situation it was like okay we'll get into this we're going to discuss it what exactly are we doing here is it pure business or is it pure emotion and pure romance or is mm. it a little bit of both and like how how do you navigate this as a culture because if you go in either direction you end up with no wedding you know, you end up with no families being created because it's not sustainable and uh, uh, it's not sustainable in either case. If you're only marrying for business and not love, you're not going to keep the family together. You'll you'll end up with like Reagan levels of divorce. If you're only marrying for love and you can't handle the finances, you won't keep the families together because families need the finances. They need the provision. They need the protection. So I don't know. It was like. I think Adam Sandler did a good job. Like that, that movie was a good look at, okay, what are we actually doing here? We've gone through, mm -hmm. <laughs> we've gone through, you know, you've gone through like this, this period of time in the West where it's like, okay, we're all equal, but we don't want the equality really because we still want to have the white wedding. We want to have this fantasy of the, you know, the, the big cake and the dresses and the speeches and everything. But what are we actually doing when we're talking about love in the West now? It was cool. I realize I have no idea by this point in our discussion. <laughs> I say, where, where, <laughs> no, it's like, where is my idea of romance come from? Because I can't seem to locate it in any of the examples that we've been watching. And I have, you know, I, I have a very clear fairy tale version of, it couldn't be Disney movies. We know that. Um, I, as I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, some of it must come from romance novels maybe we need to mm -hmm. we need to to, to put you know, is there a genre level here right uh mm -hmm. it's ha it's happening in in the stories that women tell each other or are women being just as um dishonest with ourselves except for marilyn monroe's character in this in gentleman prefer blondes um or wait yes. no is it 
gentleman is this gentleman prefer blondes? Yeah. Okay. Gentleman um, prefer blondes. Yeah. That uh somewhere the source of the fantasy version that both the men and the women on the internet are fighting about is now elusive. Could be advertising. I don't think Yeah, like I I just I don't think that the people that I've been talking to online, I don't think they actually themselves know what they want that isn't that isn't fiction somehow. Right. But we're not even sure now where the fiction is located, except in the Adams family. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still think is like the the magnificent prototype of like trad life. <laughs> I think it is it is magnificent. Multi-generational household with a devoted mother who stays home and uh you know homeschooled children. <laughs> the chat the, the chat is giving us some ideas. So we have um So Casey's saying the finance guy was buying an arm charm. Uh, Marilyn was using her charms to get a financially stable guy. What was the difference? Exactly. I mean, I think that's what, that's why Kiltz is saying the movie makes that. Um, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, Mel suggests, as our ideal. Well, you know, I think we do, we do want to do another stream, not when I'm rom-com full of memory, um, about Mary and I brought up Mary and, you know, Casanova reading Mary of Agreda's version of Mary, maybe there. I mean, it's like, where exactly our image of the ideal is coming from is, is, mm -hmm. is interesting and complicated. It could be something, it could be, in, you know, Mary of Agreda's four volume story of the Virgin Mary, although that was only translated to English in the 20th century. So maybe Casey, how to marry a millionaire is a good movie to watch for this question. Okay. Um, and the silent Draco, I can pick an apple oh, yeah, all by myself. Cute. Oops. Wait. <laughs> so I think we're, we're, we're in this, we're in this weird place now of having surveyed one place where we thought the ideal should have been hiding out and didn't find it quite where we said it thought it should be. It's not in the early 20th century and it's certainly not under the code because that's just as much guideline code that they tried to subvert over and over and over again as any other time. And it, it, mm -hmm. it is interesting, therefore, that these are the famous movies. This is Cary Grant and Rock Hudson and Doris Day and the ones that got to make movie after movie after movie after movie, right? I could, I could keep going. I yes. still have more of them that I could watch maybe this weekend when I'm still recovering. And it they made lots and lots of these movies and yet they're not carrying the romantic premise that we are constantly thinking they ought to have been mm. no yeah so it makes more sense to me <laughs> why Ah, oh, there was so much rage when I was saying what I was saying in the chats and also why uh, everybody's been very um, quick to jump on the Andrew Tate version of uh, mm. masculinity because um, I'm not really sure everybody knows which fiction to reference. Exactly. We don't even know what story we're trying to reference. Yeah. 
Well, that's a stumper. <laughs> well, I'd say I, I've I've spent my 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 week being being under the weather. Well, for this completely disorienting insight, <laughs> we shall now. Fo- it's quite kind of appropriate, no? <laughs> Co- yes, coming out of it, finding out that that you know. In fact, you know, not only are you, you know, in the ghost story now, but you're actually already living the more romantic version of the story than you thought you were in the from the period in which you thought that they were living the romantic story. It, it you know, the mm-hmm. that our own longing for this romantic fulfillment and and stability and home life. It, it, it's interesting. It's it's really very much ours. So let's 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 think about as a living uh, living breathing human beings who aren't having enough babies. <laughs> oh yeah. How to cultivate it in our own lifetimes. Mm. Yeah, we got to figure it out or we're going to have a population collapse. <laughs> I think we're actually already having the population collapse, but seeing it start yeah. it started before I was born in terms of the mythologizing. Mm. We've got it. We better start now. <laughs> Um, because to encourage, we need a baby boom. What? We need a baby. We boom. do. These are baby boomers mm. watching these movies, and they ended up with no baby. You know, not enough babies. So we really and the, and the storytelling clearly has teeth. So we need to we need to work on figuring out better stories. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't expecting to come out of this episode blaming Doris Day for the collapse of the American population. <laughs> but I'm going to do that now. <laughs> I can't sing it. Whatever shall be, shall be. The future's not ours to see. Yeah, okay, to be continued. <laughs> I'm gonna start coughing. I should have another co- I should have another chocolate, just you know. Make sure that I I stay properly chocolated, right? Don't you think? <laughs> Ooh, with, so there's this this is this is a very off. disappointing selection. There's only two colors, green and brown. I'll, I'll go for a brown one. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. Good night.